Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 54 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and boy, do we have an episode for you today. I want to start this episode off with a question. For those of you who have had more than one birth, I'm curious to know, how have you changed between experiences? Have you experienced small, subtle changes over time, or has your worldview vastly pivoted? Today's guest, Cameron Moore, also goes by The Woke RN. Cameron had her first baby 14 years ago and at the time was very comfortable with the medical establishment and felt that she was in good hands. As the years have progressed, however, Cameron's opinions on Western medicine and traditional healthcare have drastically shifted, and these realizations and opinions greatly influenced how she decided to give birth, especially with her most recent baby. From Pitocin and epidurals to a CBD unassisted birth, routine vaccines to X Vaxxer, Cameron has, as she describes it, woken up to a different, more empowering way of life. I can't wait for you to listen in. Now, I want to make something clear the show is clearly not only for any individual type of person not just for hippies. It's not only for non-vaxxers and the like. I know that we have a diversity of listeners and I appreciate that. You certainly do not have to agree with every aspect and choice that Cameron makes to appreciate the fact that she is one powerful, thoughtful woman who cares deeply about her family and their health. However, I personally would love for you to be open-minded about the information Cameron is sharing. And if you have any questions, of course, you can reach out to me or I'm sure Cameron would be happy for you to contact her as well. In fact, Cameron is actually an author of a new book that was just released on Amazon recently, and it's called Naturally Inspired Natural Lifestyle Practices and Remedies to Boost Immunity in Children and Families. And the really cool thing about this book is that there's actually another podcast guest who was uh, interviewed back towards the beginning of the show, episode 11, Susie Vares, and she is a another author of this book. So you guys are going to have to go check out Susie's episode, which is about her empowering, amazing home birth after cesarean, and then go buy Susie and KJ's book. Um, And now let's jump over and do some quick housekeeping before we actually delve into this interview. I want to mention that Happy Home Birth t-shirts are back on sale, so you can get to that by going to the link in my Instagram bio, or just go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash shop, and you will be able to get those Happy Home Birth t-shirts, which are a perfect gift for your midwife or other birth friends for Christmas. Also, go ahead and take a screenshot right now of you listening to this episode, upload it to your Instagram stories, tagging Happy Home Birth Podcast, and I will be sure to feature you in mine. And I want to give a huge thank you to our reviewer of the week, who is Wife Nugget, and her review says, perfect for the expecting RN. 
This podcast was lovingly recommended to me by a friend, thank goodness. I'm a midwifery student and a women's health RN who also works in labor and delivery, and I'm currently 23 weeks pregnant with my first child, which we plan to have at home with our midwife. I currently work in a small community hospital, but constantly being around some of the policies and practices enforced there, as well as seeing many worst case scenarios, was leaving me pretty nervous about what my birth experience would be. Being able to listen to these lovely and empowering stories gives me the grounding I need to bring me back to my knowledge that my body and my baby will work this whole birthing out together. I love to listen on my way to and from work, especially to get my head back in a good place. I can feel the positive vibes coming through my speakers. Thank you. Thank you, Wife Nugget. And if you will email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. Okay, my friends, if you are ready, let's go ahead and head into the interview. Please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are acting as medical providers on this podcast, so be sure to continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Sit back and enjoy my discussion with Cameron, the woke RN. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, man, I am just beyond excited to have you. I have I found you on Facebook through a mutual friend and have been really just devouring your information. Um, So I just can't wait to get into all of the all the information that you have that I know is going to impact listeners so incredibly. So if you wouldn't mind starting off by introducing yourself to the listeners. My name is KJ, or you can call me Cameron, and I'm a registered nurse of 10 years. Uh, I have six children. Um, I had four in the hospital, well, five in the hospital. Four were um, before I was awakened, and then I really started to wake up, and my fifth was in the hospital. I had her within an hour. My sixth was out of the hospital at home all by myself. And so I'm really excited to share these experiences with you guys so that you can embrace the power that we all are. It's it's so amazing. That is incredible. And what a shift, you know, to go from from hospital straight into nope, I'm doing this myself. I'm having a free birth and it's going to be completely unassisted and I know it's going to be amazing. Like that is that's incredible. Yeah, it you know, it's just chilling how we have that strength and we're never taught it. You really have to find it in yourself or from each other. Cause I never knew that that was something that I had in me that you have in you. And, you know, I don't know, where do you want to start? Oh, well let's, let's start from the very beginning. Well, yeah, we'll cover everything. Cause, Oh, there's so much to talk about, but why don't you start with, you know, what your life was like with your first baby, your first pregnancy, how did that all unfold? How did it come about? And what was your experience like? Well, she's 14 now. So that was a long time ago. And I just remember wanting to do everything right, you know, and I heated the lunch meat and the microwave because I didn't know any better. <laughs> now I don't have a microwave. And now I don't now I don't eat lunch meat, um, you know, and 
it, it was so funny because they give you this little pamphlet and they tell you like, don't eat the fish and, you know, or, or just once a week. And, uh, I don't even remember if we had to get vaccines back then when we were pregnant, but I will tell you, I got the flu with her and I was so sick. So I may have gotten it. And I got an epidural and I did all her vaccines. And then I have six kids and I did them in sets of two, about a year, year and a half apart. And uh-huh. then they're spaced out five years. So they they each have someone in their, you know, in their age range. Right. And so then I had my son and really insignificant, you know, births. It wasn't like anything went wrong with their birth or, you know, I was just going with the flow. It's like, okay, I'm going to get, and honestly, with my first, I didn't want an epidural. My um, first two kids dad I married didn't last very long, but he told me he didn't want me to have an epidural. And my mom was like, she's getting an epidural. She, she's not prepared for this. And, and honestly, I'm glad because I had no mental training. I would have been ripped to pieces. Right. And so I got it and it was, like I said, pretty insignificant. And then I had my son and it was the same way. Just go with the flow. I'm sure they gave me Pitocin, you know, they control all of that, but it wasn't really until my third and fourth after I had them. Cause you know, this was five years later. And then I had, um, Juliet, who's eight, and then Remy, who's seven, they were exactly a year apart. And then I woke up like I couldn't even give them vaccines anymore because their dad would take them to the doctor and they'd get all the ones they missed plus the ones to do. Oh, like man. 10 of them. And and he brought them home and I, I couldn't even do it. I said, you have to take them to the doctor. They're going to push vaccines on us and I don't want to be the bad guy. And he came back and he's like, yep, they gave him 10. And, I, and my baby baby, you know, at the time, they gave her like six. But my oldest, they gave her the most. And I said, we can't do this anymore. This is this is insane. And, you know, then I started to look into healthcare more. So I had five years until I got pregnant again. And when I got pregnant with Presley, who's now two, I was like, I want to have a home birth. I want to do this at home. But I lived in uh, the South Mississippi area where there is not much for learning how to birth at home. Like midwives work in hospitals here and doulas, it's, it, they're hard to come by. Right. So I would have had to have driven 55 miles twice a week to take some classes. And I, I didn't have that time. I was working full time as a nurse and had all the other kids and the dad, you know, dad was supposed to go with me. He didn't want to do it. So Oh, it was pretty much, you know, my odds were against me. And I did end up birthing with a doctor. He was absolutely amazing. He respected all of my wishes. He let the umbilical cord pulsate. He let me do the jelly bean test instead of the glucose test. So oh, I don't nice. know if y'all have talked about that. I don't but, think I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast, actually, but this is a fantastic opportunity to discuss that really quick. Would you mind explaining what that is? Yeah, sure. So after I did some research, I was like, why is every single woman taking this glucose drink with artificial dyes and fillers to jump their sugars 
when, you know, some people do like a, a protein breakfast, um, there's all different kinds of things out there. But my, my doctor said the only one that's approved and studied is the jelly bean test. And he printed it up for me. I can't remember what university, but it's like 50 grams of jelly beans and you eat them you know, like an hour or two before the test, and then you get your blood drawn. They're they're not very tasty, but <laughs> I mean, it's harder to eat that many jelly beans than you think, you know, yes, but when you're sitting there and you have to eat them really quickly. But it was easier for me to do because I knew that it was better on baby. And studies don't really know if that glucose is affecting, you know, while your baby is growing. <laughs> so that's that was one thing he let me do and you know he let the umbilical cord pulsate like he respected all my wishes but the best part was I didn't even get to the hospital till an hour before she was ready to come out and I was I was basically holding her in my nerves were holding her in like uh-huh. I could have I could have pushed her out at home because when I got there they checked and I was eight centimeters bulging amniotic sac and I just had to relax mm-hmm. and I had no idea how to do that I'm like trying to sit on a birthing ball and she was already there. All I had to do was relax. Oh, that is such a good point. Thank you for that. (laughs) Relaxation is everything. Yes. And I had no idea because here it is my fifth baby and I don't even know my body. Like the first four in an epidural, you don't know how to sync up with your body. Your body is like a contraction. It's like a clock opening. And as you breathe and you relax, it's going to come out. There's no other way, you know, it's but out. <laughs> so, oh, that's so, an amazing, that's an amazing point that you just brought up. Just that, that concept of, you know, yeah, you'd experienced this four times before, but you'd never experienced it like this. And so even with all of that experience, there was still a lack of understanding or a lack of education on how to make it a peaceful experience because it was totally new. Yes. And I'll be honest when I, when I was like, I had, I had read so many theories. I've heard of the orgasmic theory, you know, and you can, you can orgasm during birth. And and so I'm like, okay, come on, Lord, come on, give me that orgasm. (laughs) And, but let me tell you something, when I was ready to push, it felt, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It felt like my legs were being chainsawed off, mm. but it was a five second, 10 second push and it was over with. And then there was no more pain. There was no more. There was nothing but happiness. Yeah. And and the, the only thing I had in me at that time. No, no. I, I she put an IV in in case I bled out. You know, she had to do something emergent. Mm-hmm. I ripped that thing out myself after the baby was good to go because they, they forgot to assess it. They forgot to check on it. And I'm a nurse. I'm one of those terrible nurses. But, you know, it was so empowering. And I and I asked, can I can I keep my placenta? And the doctor didn't even blink. The nurse said, what do you want to do with it? And I said, well, I was thinking about eating it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they had a rule. You have to get it off the property on ice within two or four hours. Mm. Uh, so my honey went to get the cooler and everything. And it sat because I'm a travel nurse or at the time I was, it, it sat in my freezer for two years. And when <sighs> I came back, I made placenta art with it. And then oh. I uh, put it under that. I buried it under the apple tree. 
Oh, wow. Very nice. That's that's really cool. So the placenta art, is that like a print? Did you do like a print of the placenta? I did a print, but it was really watery. So I put paint and glitter on it and I put it down and it's it it's pretty to me. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll have to share a photo. Please, please do. I would love to add that into the show notes and probably put it on Instagram too. Cause I, I actually have um, the placenta prints from both of my daughters hanging in our room, which I remember I took a poll and I was like, is this weird or pretty? And it was about 50, 50, what people said, but I think it's beautiful. Well, it does have a little smell until it dries, but then <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever, you know, killed a deer, or messed with raw meat then you're good but I love the way it looks it looks like a flower and I threw it down on paper three different times and they all look the same but then comparing to other women like all of our placentas are different Mm -hmm. and it's so cool it's such a you know little treasure a part that all of me that I'll have forever of of us yes exactly that that bond what held you together um, okay, so before we skip, we we jump into this for, these fourth and fifth birth stories because I I think we're gonna spend a good amount of time there. I kind of wanted to go back and like hit some of the finer points with your first uh, or excuse me, did I say fourth and fifth? I meant fifth and sixth. So the first four births. Um, so okay, so you were younger at this time. You were you were working as an RN or did you start having babies before you were working as a nurse? Yeah, I started having babies before I decided to be a nurse. I mean, I always wanted to be a nurse, but I was in pharmacy school when my first two were, you know, babies. So we ended up moving and pharmacy school was six hours away. So I jumped into nursing. Mm. But, you know, I'm really glad I took that path because I'm more of an empath and I really feel a lot of, of what people are going through. So I don't think that, you know, I don't even agree with a lot of pharma- pharmaceuticals now. So I right. think it was the perfect path for me. I was just thinking that as you were like, well, I was in pharmacy school and I was like, oh, and and you don't vaccinate your kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have liked me very much because I've been asking too many questions. But I did take pharmacy classes, you know, I have a bachelor's and I questioned a lot of why we're you know, like Tylenol and it lowers glutathione stores and women shouldn't take, nobody should take it. You know, it, it, it kills your liver. And so I, I questioned a lot of things and I was just, a, I mean, I was just a baby nurse when my uh, third and fourth daughter were, you know, they're eight and seven now. So that's really when I started to wake up. Okay. And what was that like for you when you say when I started to wake up, what was happening in your life that um, that made you start thinking, hey, maybe there's another way? I was questioning everything. Mm. I was questioning everything. So I was working as a nurse in, in Florida, in the Tampa Bay area and South Florida. And I was seeing so much corruption in the hospitals and so much illness that really could have been, I mean, a lot of people are set in their ways, but a lot of us don't know any better. Like, just like when I had all my epidurals and I went right along with it, it wasn't until my third epidural where half of it wore off. My nurse was awful to me. After I pushed my baby out and could feel half on one side, she goes, what's wrong, honey? Your hoo-ha hurt? 
I'm like, wow, I am a nurse. I could never imagine talking to my patients that way. And she was the reason my hoo-ha hurt because she let my epidural wear off. Right. The the anesthetist said, we don't do them the same as when you had your first two kids. So if it wears off, like back when I had my first two, you were numb from the waist down. Mm -hmm. And this time you could feel, you know, when they touched your legs. And she said, so it's not as strong. It's a little bit different medication. If it wears off at all, then just let your nurse know and we'll come and we'll fix it. We'll give you more. So I let the nurse know. And she said, well, it's too late. And just hit your button. And I'm like, I'm hitting the button. It's not working. And so she did not take care of me. And that really started to open my eyes a lot. Like, first of all, why am I letting someone else have this power over me? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even have breathing exercises. I, I was just going with the flow, you know. Okay, my baby's coming. Let's go to the hospital, you know. And that was, it was so shocking because all of that power of giving birth was in someone else's hands. Right. Oof. And I think at that point, even though I had a fourth child and it was a year later, I still wasn't prepared. I mean, mm-hmm. mind you, I thought I was done after my first two. I had my boy and my girl. But but then I got back with my high school sweetheart and we wanted a family. And so the fourth baby was a complete surprise. I didn't <laughs> find out until I was five months pregnant. Oh, wow. And birth control. My <laughs> doctor put me on birth control and I was cycling. I bleed during my pregnancies. I bleed into the second trimesters. And what it is, is some women have, you know, you have like the amnion and the chorion, you have all these sacs. And like, I have this layer of skin in there that just sheds mm. and they've looked at it and it's happened with my last four pregnancies. So wow. I was on this birth control and I'm cycling. I'm sure it's from all the hormones I used to take when I was a kid. Right. Because like we have all these problems and nobody knows why, but I'm sure it's from all of the, you know, birth control and, you know, who who knows what else, the glyphosate. So, yep, absolutely. And that's something that we talked about in a, a semi recent podcast about fertility is that idea of, you know, having to having to detox your body from the birth control, you know, not expecting necessarily to get pregnant immediately because I mean, the hormones are doing things to your body and it's going to take your body a while to, to kind of get back to a stable zone where it's like, okay, I, I could try having a child now. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point to mention the hormones and how that can just really, really affect your body in so many ways for such a long time. Well, that woke me up, too, because I, here I am taking birth control, five months pregnant. I stopped getting my period. I take a birth control. Uh, sorry, I take a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. I go to the doctor. OK, doc, you know, how far along am I? Like eight weeks? He's like, no, you're 20 weeks. <laughs> my jaw hit the floor because I was losing weight. I was feeling great. I was breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my milk dried up. And I thought it was from working. And because, I mean, I went right back to work ever since I've been a nurse. I went right back to work with my last baby 10 days after he was born. Oh, man. Yeah. And it was because I was in the middle of a contract. So I either lose all that money or finish the contract and then take time off. Oh, gotcha. 
so I went ahead and finished my contract. Like he came three weeks early. Had he not come early, I would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But he came early. So it worked out, you know, except for my milk dried up. So I, I kind of wish that hadn't happened. But, you know, when you have to feed your family, you just try to pump and hope for the best. <laughs> right. Oh, man, that's a whole other podcast topic. We could, we could talk yeah. about all day. Yeah, I, I definitely was trying to get away from my patients every two hours as a new mom to to make enough milk for him. But, oh, wow. uh, you know, it, it's just so many different things that woke me up. But I would have to say these these childbirths and being a nurse made me become more conscious and aware of the things that we're doing to us and the things that we're letting people do to us, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And they're like, we don't even question it. My first two births, I didn't question a thing. And then my third birth, she lets the epidural wear off. And I'm like, wait a minute. I would right. never do that to my, like, I would never talk to my patients that way. So then I started to realize these people don't really care. A lot of them are doing their jobs. Yes. But they don't really care about me the way I care about me. Right. Of, co of course. I mean, how could they? But, you know, I think that that you're hitting on a, an interesting an interesting point in the sense that, yeah, they're doing their jobs. You know, they also it's not necessarily that they have some ill will or anything negative towards you nurses, obstetricians, any of them, they're doing what they've been trained to do and what they have been told is the way to do things. But that's not necessarily the only way as you have learned in these last two births. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. So your fifth birth is when you still went to the hospital. You were starting to think that you could possibly do this on your own beforehand, right? Right. But you were like, "Ugh, I just I wasn't quite there yet. So what was what was that experience like? Tell me about that pregnancy. And um, and if there was anything different in that pregnancy as to how you prepared for the birth. Um, yeah, just just give me the rundown on that. So she is now two and a half. And when I found out what I was pregnant with her, I wanted that home birth. But I had to find a doctor and make sure everything was okay. Some women, where, sorry, where were you at this point? Where were you? I living? was, I was in South Mississippi. Okay. So yeah, I travel all over. Um, my last baby was in Colorado. I've had some born in Mississippi already and some born in Florida. So big, it's kind of like a military family. <laughs> so here, here in South Mississippi, like I love the doctor that delivered my baby. I got very lucky. He actually, I haven't mentioned this, but I had a DNC, mm. uh, 2000, what was it? 2012. And he did it. No, that was, yeah, I think it was 2012 right after Remy was born. But anyway, it was several, maybe it was 2014, but it was several years ago. And he was the, he was the new doctor in my doctor's clinic that delivered my, my oldest son. So he did the DNC and I'm telling you, he was, it was like fate. I didn't even know I was pregnant or I, I had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and I don't know it. Hold on. You might have to edit this out. I'm okay. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. Take your time. I just, I wanted to tie this DNC in, but I'm trying to remember the timeline. So 
We'll take your time. We I'll just take this part out. Okay. So in 2014, I had a DNC and I had to go to the hospital. I had a miscarriage at 13 weeks and I didn't know I was pregnant. And they, Dr. Moore took the baby, you know, he did whatever. And it was so, it was so amazing. Like it's a, it's basically a surgery. They put you to sleep and I woke up and it, it was like fate. It He was like an angel. And so he was the one that ended up taking care of me during my fifth pregnancy. And, and so I already had this level of respect for him, you know, and I, he, he was so good to me. He, he was the one that let me do the jelly bean test. And so I, I really trusted him and I didn't have enough research about having a baby at home. I really didn't. I didn't know where to start and I had friends that had done it. And so so that was my fault because on my six, let me tell you something, I was prepared. Mm-hmm. I watched YouTube videos for hours. I watched on Instagram. I think it's the pregnancy journal. I'll have to look it up, but there's people on Instagram who post these little 30 second and one minute clips of women giving birth. Mm-hmm. And while I was at work at the hospital for 12 hours, anytime I had a break, Anytime I had a second to look at my phone, I was watching someone give birth and not and, and not just the the good ones, but the bad ones, too. Oh. And and then I would research like, OK, what's my fear? Um, the umbilical cord being wrapped around the neck. And then I would research it into every way possible. And then I learned that that's not even a bad thing. Right. It's, an, it's like a necklace. And it happens the, a third of the time. It's and, it's OK. Yeah. Yeah. And the baby's still getting circulation because it's it's coming through the cord. It's not choking the baby. And so I was like, OK, OK, that's good. You know, what's my next fear? OK, breach. And then I would do a whole bunch of research about breach. And so by by the fifth, I just wasn't quite there. I I was still looking for other people to give me this information instead of saying, okay, Cameron, you, you are full of knowledge, attract that knowledge and, and download that knowledge and learn that knowledge and be that knowledge instead of trying to like, okay, well, I can't go to Hattiesburg. So I guess I'm just going to, you know, go to the hospital or, or, or I can't, you know, do this. And so it, by, by my sixth child, I was determined. Nothing was, was going to stop me from having a home birth until he tried to take four days to get here and everyone was like, hurry up to the hospital because you're going to lose your baby. So, so, I mean, that was something that I had researched. Are we ready to talk about this one? Well, well, yeah, we can totally let, but let's, let's finish up with the, the one before that, like how, um, let me think of how to, how to word this. So you were preparing for, you knew that you were going to have your fifth in the hospital. Is that correct? Yeah, like I, I was secretly preparing for like, okay, if she came home, she comes at home, it's okay, you know. But I, but mentally, I was not prepared. Right. And so I went to the doctor. I labored all night long. My, my uh, boyfriend was getting so tired of me, up and down, up and down. I took, you know, two baths because <laughs> they won't let you, they won't let you birth there. They have a big tub, but they won't let you birth there. So that was my one thing I was hung up on. And I finally, okay, I can't do this anymore. I think she's coming. And she was right there the whole time. So I get to the hospital, eight centimeters bulging sat. I get in the bed, I push, she's out. And then that was it. That was it. It it was the easiest 
birth. But how did I know that? You know, here I am. Like, it's just like, I'm sure you guys have probably talked about this before. But it's just like taking a really good poop. <laughs> like, it's just, you've got to relax. You've got to let it all out. And it hurts. But if you know and trust your body. And when I, when I did that, even though it hurt because I wasn't really mentally prepared and I, I, it, it all made sense. Once mm-hmm. I had her, it all made sense, but it was my uh-huh. fifth baby. And so I got pregnant with my sixth, you know, less than a year later. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was ready. And that's, that's where the home birth comes in. And I had a midwife. I'll tell you, I okay. had a midwife. I fired them because they were very disrespectful. Uh, right off the bat, if you did not do all their requests, then you couldn't have a water birth. They would punish you. Mm. And I, I don't agree with that. So it was a big university uh, in Colorado. I actually, you know, worked for that university, love that university. But the way the midwives are set up, I told them I didn't want to do the glucose drink. And they're like, oh, well, even though you've had five kids, you could still be diabetic this time. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I haven't eaten meat in two years. I haven't gained any weight. Like my body bounced back really quick with the last one. Mm-hmm. And my my last doctor, he goes, well, you can refuse this altogether. I said, no, I want to do the jelly bean test. I want to yeah. know. But they wouldn't even let me refuse. Wow. So she, I told her, I told her I didn't want the artificial dyes in the drink. And she came back with the clear. She said, mm-hmm. oh, well, one of our other clinics over here uses the clear. Let me go get it. And, and there was no, there was no understanding of, okay, you don't want to do this and you, you, you know, your body and they could at least sign off on that. If, if I get diabetes, they're not at fault because I, you know, chose not to do it, but they, it's money. It's like $400 to them. So they, they want, you know, to, they want their protocols done. Right. I am all about the word decline. And if, if the care provider is not willing to work with the word decline that is that's not the best (laughs) so here was the other kicker my first appointment I get this little pamphlet with a folder and it's the same propaganda that is in the stuff from when I had my first kid 14 years ago like heat up your lunch meat so you don't get salmonella and you know don't here I am eating you know uh tuna twice a week and sushi because I'm craving it you know (laughs) and like I don't eat raw sushi but like we're craving the the iodine and the seaweed and you know if it's cooked it's it's I don't know I know people who eat it raw and they're fine when they're pregnant too but (sighs) it's just they're they're focused on the wrong things and so I'm looking at this and I'm like and then it says you can't have a water birth if you decline any of our treatments or protocols and I'm just like, okay, well, we're not going to get along pretty well. So that drink sat in my pantry for so long that one day my 13 year old son said, mom, are you ever going to drink this? And I said, no. And he goes, well, can I drink it? (laughs) I was like, son, no, I need to throw it away. And he's like, well, why don't you throw it away? Because it looks like a soda and I kind of want to drink it. I was like, no, it's like a flat soda. And it's for my test. I explained what it was for. And he's it's like, for the test that I'm not taking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's just a reminder of how mad I am at these midwives. <laughs> so, so honestly, I never went back and I just did a ton of research. I had, I had the 20 week ultrasound that said my baby 
okay, here's the kicker too. Here's kicker number two. So my midwife's told me that my ultrasound looked like my baby was probably about two weeks smaller than estimated. And this is, I don't play these games, okay? Because my friend who worked on my floor, who was the exact same amount of pregnant as I was, was told the exact same thing by her midwives, who are the same midwives as I have, that her baby looked about two weeks smaller and needed to come back two more weeks for an ultrasound. And I'm like, okay, this is something there's, I, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like this is something they tell people to make more money. Mm. So they're getting you back in. And then there's another $1,200 for an ultrasound or however much it costs. So I never went back. <laughs> My baby was completely that, fine. Yeah. At that point too, you know, that's why people, you know, for dating purposes, people, midwives prefer early early ultrasounds, even though I'm not saying I recommend them. Um, but that's interesting that they're saying, oh, well, you know, the baby's, it, it looks like the baby's not the right size. There can be, obviously, on an ultrasound at that point, there can be a huge differentiation in what measurement they're getting and what the baby actually is. Like, you know, off by pounds towards the end of pregnancy. Two so. weeks is a big difference in the beginning. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it really, really. So, you know, I just felt like it was, in my in my mind, I'm like, okay, this sounds like a scam, and I don't like the way that they're making me feel. And here it is, my sixth baby. I'm just gonna come to them if I have an emergency, and that's it. So that was at so about 20 weeks is when you ended prenatal care. Yes. Okay. And I mean, I was still working out up until two weeks before he came, mm-hmm. and uh, he decided yeah. to come three weeks early. Now, question really quickly. So you were you were planning a home birth at this point? These midwives were going to get to have a home birth with you or was this going to be like a hospital birth with midwives? Yeah. So the midwives don't do home births here or there in Colorado. So like certain states, you know, I'm sure you know this, but they're like legal. And so they Mm -hmm. have to work in a hospital. And then other states, a janitor can be a midwife, which I think is really cool because anyone can have that title. But in certain states, if you title yourself that, you could go to jail because you're falsely identifying as, you know, a licensed care care professional. So, I mean, it's interesting because I wanted to be a midwife, but then I learned that I would I I couldn't do it the old school way in Mississippi. I would have to go and get another degree. I said, oh, no, no, Mm -hmm. I just so. I don't know. I guess I learned through my own body and, but what, what were we talking about? So we were on 20, no, no, you're fine. So we were on 20 weeks, you got the ultrasound and that's when you were like, all right, I'll come to you guys if there's an emergency basically. Yeah. So I just started taking care of all of the research for myself, looking into what I would do if something went wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I already know how to do CPR and, you know, I already, I already know when babies are born about the APGAR scale. And so I just, I just had to find my fears. That's what you need to do first. If you really want to have a home birth, you write down all your fears mm. because right. Those are the first things that are going to go through your mind and you want to be prepared for any of that. And honestly, none of that happened. Right. <laughs> the only thing that happened was he took four days to come and my water broke. That's not fun. (laughs) Yeah, my water broke. And so I had read stories where this one woman's water broke at like 20 something weeks. She drank 
like six liters of fluid a day and because you're constantly losing that fluid. So not all is lost if you can keep that baby alive and keep that fluid up and stay on bed rest. And she did fine. Like, I think she delivered at 32 weeks. She was one of the longest people that had ever, I'll have to find the article, but like 12 weeks, she was able to, you know, stay on bed rest and keep that fluid in there. But for me, four days, that scared a lot of people. They were like, please go to the hospital. You don't know. And I'm like, yes, I know. If this woman can do it for 12 weeks, I can do it for four days. Well, and I'm sure you're very well versed in signs of infection, too. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, oh, this isn't semen right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, when I honestly, I thought he was going to come. I thought thought with my sixth baby, this would be the fastest one. And as soon as my water broke, I called his dad. I said, you got to come home from work. He missed that whole day of work. The whole, you know, next day, nothing happened. He went back to work. And fortunately, it happened at night when he was home, when the baby finally came. But I mean, I was walking, I was, I was up and down so miserable having light contractions and I wasn't, it wasn't like textbook, you know, labor. It wasn't textbook labor and it's, it's called prodroma labor and it just takes its time. Now, see, I'll tell you when I was in nursing school, we had a doctor of nursing who was our teacher and she told us that prodroma labor doesn't really exist. And I'm thinking here as now, you know, a woke nurse and I've come to this conclusion that she was wrong. (laughs) After I experienced it, I dare say she's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she was like in her 70s. So I'm like, man, she, she never knew because she saw the medical, the Western medical side of it, where you come in, they give you Pitocin, they speed up your labor with hormones and boom. So my body was still opening and it wasn't ready yet because I was mentally, I was ready. Like the the fifth baby, I wasn't ready, but this time I was so ready, but my body wasn't ready. Yes. And I feel like that's a lot of times what prodromal labor can be for some moms is like, sometimes, you know, it's not that it's not that it's opening the cervix, but it's repositioning the baby, realigning things inside so that once that full active labor sets in, you know, it'll, it'll be effective contractions. Yes. Yes. And I I must've taken four or five, maybe six baths over those four days because I wanted to take Mm -hmm. advantage of that tub. And when he was ready, I, it was all about lining up the position of the baby. I could feel him flipping around, moving in there. You know, I'd get on all fours. I'd get in the tub. I'd try to sit. Nothing, no position I got in. I knew he was close because there was nothing I could do to stay comfortable. <laughs> because I was not comfortable. <laughs> no, I would get in the bed. I would toss turn, get back in the tub. And that went on for, you know, 48 hours. Ugh. And it was the night of the harvest full moon last year and it was just absolutely gorgeous I'm in and it was it was mystical I was in the mountains I could see the orange full moon and as I'm going it's going through its cycle as I'm going through my cycle of having birth with my hopefully last you know (laughs) baby because I don't (laughs) tentatively last baby (laughs) so you know, it was just so magical. And the moon 
it was orange and then it was big and red later as I'm trying to give birth. And like, I'm not ready to push yet. I'm just like in the tub kind of contemplating it, get back in the bed. And I mean, I'm drinking like three liters of Fiji water a day. And I was addicted to these, um, they're called Zing teas. They're from Boulder, Colorado. I hate that they're in aluminum, but that's the only way you could get them. And they were just they they tasted fresh, like they were fresh made, put in the can. So I was addicted to those. They were big and they didn't have like high fructose corn syrup in them or anything. So I was like, go get me a bunch of those. I can slam those and stay hydrated. <laughs> and I'm in the, he has a picture of me in the tub with my bathing suit on. You know, I hated that he took those pictures, but I'm glad that he did right. now because it's all I have. And I remember later that night. And the moon was all the way up in the sky, as high as it could get, big and white. And I got in that tub on my knees, and I was finally ready to push this baby out. And I thought, like, Brian, my boyfriend, would catch him, you know. But the way I was positioned on my knees, the only person I could get it was me. And I put my hands right there, and I pushed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's starting to come. So I just kept pushing. And he was coming more. And so I just kept pushing. And it was like, to me, it was like five, 10 seconds. I asked Brian, he said maybe 15 seconds, but overall it was very quickly. And he slid right out and I picked him up and I looked at him and he didn't even cry. I'm like, was he into the, did you, you gave birth into the water or I gave, I was on my knees in the water and the water was about two or three inches deep because it wasn't very comfortable. Uh, Nothing was comfortable. So I just had a little bit of water in there and I was on my knees and the heat really helps open up everything down there Mm -hmm. and the position I've never given birth on my knees. Mm. So, and it was also the cleanest place. I will have to say that because (laughs) It contains everything. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for a better place to give birth, really. So I once once I pushed him out and I looked at him, he wasn't crying and every baby had cried. So it scared me and he was fine. He was just looking at me like, hey, mom. (laughs) So I kind of rubbed his skin and I tried to aggravate him a little because I wanted to hear his cry, I guess, to make me feel better. And he he fussed a little and then he stopped and he just looked at me. <sighs> so I don't know I was in that water for at least an hour and I didn't want okay this was my fault too I didn't research what to do with the placenta once mm. I had delivered it so I don't even think we had a bowl to put it in <laughs> that would have been good out. get a little stainless steel bowl so it was just in the tub it was all wet and I was I was just more looking into my baby's eyes and holding them and he wouldn't nurse because he came three weeks early mm. So I had to, I had a friend on Instagram, thank God, send me YouTube videos. This could have been a hangup that could have brought us to the hospital if he wouldn't eat. Right. So, you know, I watched some YouTube videos and I used my fingers to help him suckle and I spoon fed him some of my colostrum. And we also had homemade goat milk formula for my toddler or well, she was a year old. So we were kind of spoon feeding that until I had enough, you know, colostrum and things until he was strong enough to suckle. He had no desire to suckle and he would just kind of sleep. Yeah. So, wow. But, but you still, you were able to, to figure that out. 
yes, we figured it out very quickly and he was able to latch right on, you know, within 48 hours. Mm. And what about the, um, so what about when the placenta came? Did you just feel like a sense of heaviness and know that it was time for the, to try to push the placenta out or how did that happen? Yeah, I just knew that it would come out when it was ready. You know, you don't want to push those kind of things because I think that's when the hemorrhaging happens. Mm. And right after I had Kai, that was one of my things was to prevent hemorrhaging. I researched a lot. Right. I I was curious about that, what you did. We did. I did forget to talk about the CBD. So CBD is the only thing. And I used Arnica. Arnica, it's called Arnicare, Arnigel. Yep. That's the only thing that I used after Presley because I didn't have CBD, my fifth baby. So after I had her, I mean, my doctor tried to write me a script for ibuprofen. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I I went to Walmart, walked in, like I was so sore. I mean, I went home within 24 hours, walked into Walmart, got that Arnigel, Arnica gel, rubbed it all over my belly. And that was the only thing I had for her. So with my six, I was taking CBD and I was like, this has to be better than Arnica gel. And it was because we have an endocannabinoid system and you you can't really take too much. Your body, it you know, will figure out what it needs to do with it and you won't like get high or feel funny or anything. So I was rubbing it on my belly during all my contractions and after I had the baby, especially to prevent hemorrhaging, I was rubbing this CBD in as hard as I could to kind of massage now, you I know, didn't realize that was a hemorrhage preventative. Yes. Okay, so so I use CBD with this with my most recent pregnancy. I didn't use it with my first, but I used it with my second. And unfortunately, I wish I would have known more about it before giving birth because I would have used it during pregnancy and labor, but I only used it postpartum. But I used it for the after pains. And oh my gosh, Cameron, like I could not believe as soon as I would start to feel because they were powerfully uncomfortable. But as soon as I would feel one coming on, I would take a dropper full of CBD and it knocked it out immediately. It was unbelievable. But I had no idea that it was also a great thing for hemorrhage prevention. Yeah, because you want to massage, you know, your abdomen. Right. And because I don't know, I'm I'm losing my words right now, but I had done a ton of research on it. And I know that when you start to bleed and hemorrhage out, they rub your abdomen yeah. and they push on it. So that's okay, the first so you thing. Were using, yeah. So you're using the, the CBD as like a massaging oil. You're massaging your, the top of your uterus and you're gaining the benefits from the CBD at the same time. And the pressure, right? Yeah, gotcha. Okay, that's because it's also soaking through your skin and it's helping numb it that way. Because it doesn't like numb, but you know, it takes pain away. It just Mm -hmm. goes where it's needed. So that was basically all I used. I mean, that and arnica gel. Mm -hmm. And after the baby was born, and I was just in the tub, I could feel the heaviness start to come out. It just came. I mean, it was like another contraction. You know, you feel it building up and it was it was so unique because you're more in tune with your body when you do it at home you don't have any distractions you don't have other people walking in you don't have machines beeping you know I don't even think I had a light on in the bathroom like yeah it's you're just so connected to earth and 
when you can feel that come out, it's like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) So, and I just made sure to rub really hard and just keep doing it like every five minutes because I know hemorrhaging is, is very real for a lot of women. So yeah, that was my next fear. That's yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And I wondered if when you were researching, cause I love that idea. It's actually something that I have included in the childbirth education course. Um, but one of the, the big pillars is fear clearing and, you know, removing the fear so that there's only room for positivity and a lot of fear removal is once you have the research and once you have the evidence, it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't really need to be concerned about these things. And one of the things in relation to hemorrhaging that is so helpful is what you can do during pregnancy to prevent it, which I don't know if you've ever heard of Nora tea, but it's nettles and oat straw and red raspberry leaf and alfalfa. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I drank nettle my whole pregnancy. Oh, perfect. That's hugely helpful. And so that, yeah, so taking that is actually a phenomenal way to prevent the hemorrhage from happening after you have the baby because your uterus is so toned and so ready to to go through the process. But that's also really amazing to hear. You know, you, you mentioned that you were in labor for quite a long time and yet you still didn't hemorrhage. So your uterus was definitely toned and, and ready to go. Yeah. So that's the thing. Right after I had him, within hours, I'm looking, you know, for the fundus, can't find it. And my my uterus was almost back down to size. And it does take a lot of time. But I think taking the CBD since like actually the whole the whole pregnancy, I took CBD. So I really started to wake up and. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this, you wouldn't understand because unless you saw pictures of me with my, when I was pregnant with my now 14 year old daughter and then pictures of me now, I look like a completely different person and it's better. Like my body bounced back within 10 days when, okay, so here's, here's kicker number three. I had to bring myself and my son to be checked off by these midwives so I could return back to work. Oh, okay. And of course, it's a whole group of midwives. I go and see one I've never met before. She was very elderly. She she almost would not write me the, uh, you know, the form to go back to work. And the way she worded it, it wasn't even good enough for me to go back to work. I had to get another form. Oh my like word. I was scrambling because she didn't want she was so afraid that I was going to get hurt. And I'm like, ma'am, this is my sixth baby. It, it was like they were punishing me. And I told her, you know, the reason I didn't come back was because I didn't like the healthcare here. And I felt like I had done enough research. If I need, I told her straight up, I said, if I needed anything, I was going to come back and I didn't need you. Wow. And I was like, here's my son. Here's me. And she's like, well, you haven't been here. How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to know that you're well enough to go back to work? And I looked her in the eye and I said, do an assessment. <laughs> that's how you're going to know. And so she pushed on my belly and she's like, I said, see my, you know, my abdomen is almost completely back to where it's supposed to be. And she pushed on, you know, everything and was like, Oh yeah, your uterus is almost down. So, you know, she made me do a crunch. And mm-hmm. so she's like, no heavy lifting. And I can't remember how she worded it now, but it was, it, 
it was like no heavy lifting uh, for a little while or something, but it had to be specific. So I had to make her go and get another one that said, you know, for four to four weeks. Right. So it, it wasn't on, I don't know why she would think it was on her. Like, what are they going to do? Fire her because I had a home birth and she let me go back to work to finish my contract. Right. But it, it's like they were trying to punish me, but she knew, I, I said, look, I said, if you can sleep at night, knowing that I'm not going to be able to work and provide for my family, you know, then, then go ahead and don't write that letter. And she wrote it. So right. I know well, that's huge. And that's something I wanted to touch on because I personally, you know, I am such a strong advocate for postpartum healing and, you know, lying in, you know, staying in bed for six weeks if possible. Oh, three months, um, please. Three months. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I really recognize what you're saying there and, and find that so beautiful that, you know, of course, that's just not that's not what your situation was. And that's not what you were able to do. Like you had to you had to provide for your family and you had to go back to work. Um, so the fact that your body was you had you had cared for your body in a way that it was able to sustain you through what seems like probably, you know, a stressful, stressful situation to have to go back to work so quickly. Yes, definitely. That's incredible. But I knew that I was able to trust, you know, their dad. He had been with me through three other pregnancies. And that one, you know, he's very supportive, especially when I thought I was going to die. Because there is one tiny little part of you that has doubt. <laughs> Don't listen to that voice, okay? Because when I was like, I'm going to die, he's like, no, you're not. Come on, do this. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> because, you know, we are just human. And we have weaknesses. And you know, we all want to be strong, but there's going to be, there's going to be moments where you're going to doubt yourself, but that's why you have to cover all your bases. You have to go head first into your fears and find what you're most worried about. And then if you're not doing it alone, cause like I, I free birthed, I mean, I just did it with my, you know, boyfriend who has, no, he, he works on airplanes and things. So he has no idea about <laughs> not very helpful to that. <laughs> no. <laughs> And it was very enlightening, though. And mm -hmm. I, if if I had to do it all over again, I surely would. Um, my only thing is that because I had that miscarriage and that DNC, I fear and they didn't even know why I miscarried. The baby was just malformed. I work in hospitals. I work around weird drugs. I don't know if it was something that I touched that may have caused like, you know, like a cancer drug or something. There's no telling mm -hmm. Uh, that was kind of the thoughts that I had, or it was just like, you know, a God intervention. It wasn't meant to be. And so for me, if I ever got pregnant again, I would still have that 20 week ultrasound just to make mm -hmm. sure, you know, that the baby's developing fine, has all its arms and legs and organs. Other than that, I would listen to my body and just do the CBD and the nettle. What's it called? Nora? I would test Nora try that. Yeah. yeah, that's a good, nettle, that's good stuff. Nettle was huge for me because I did research on it back when my 14-year-old was getting chronic UTIs. Mm -hmm. And she would kill me right now if I said this, but it, <laughs> I've taken care of hundreds of little old ladies who have had UTIs, and that's what her pee smelled like, 90-year-old lady pee. And it scared <laughs> me. I was scared to get it tested because, you know, what is her body going through? And then they're going to diagnose her with something. And then she's going to have to live with this. I said, this is not a diagnosis. This is something we can get through. 
Mm-hmm. So I tried everything. And then it wasn't until we tried nettle tea that it went away. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Nettle, so powerful. Great for it, iron too. Yes. And women need iron in pregnancy. It kept my iron up because I don't eat meat. I haven't in, uh, what, four years now. So, or three, 2000, I can't even remember to be honest. I think it's 2015. So I'll have to look it up. It's just, you know, everybody's body is different. Everybody needs different things, but nettle has everything that everybody needs. It has the mm-hmm. iron and the vitamin D and the vitamin C. Like, I think it has all of the A deck. So it's, it's something that's really rare for plants to have is all of those, right. you know, nutrients. So I, I would take it and I had a UTI, they told me, but I didn't believe it, but I took nettle anyway, went back and that UTI was gone. And oh, so I have those test results too, to say, Hey, they, they, they called, <laughs> yeah, they called me and they're like, Hey, uh, we're going to call you in antibiotics. And I was like, Hey, thanks for asking. No, you're not. I'll, I'll retest when I come back. And so I really was, I was, I took so much ownership of yes. this pregnancy and you really can do it all with herbs. If you know your body and you know, the right kind of herbs that you need, like the iron, that is so essential because every pregnancy I get low, except for this one, you know, this right one. with your bu- blood volume expanding so massively, definitely iron is so helpful. And I, I want to bring something up that you just said that, oh gosh, it's just so important is that you took ownership. You know, you realized that this was your birth. This was your thing, good, bad, ugly, whatever happened, this was yours. And the way that you researched, the way that you prepared, the way that you knew what was going on um, is really amazing to me. And and that's something that is not just for someone who's planning a free birth. Taking ownership, if you're planning a hospital birth, you've got to take ownership. And in the hospital, of course, there's going to be more, um, sometimes there could be more of a struggle when, you know, you've got to combat what the nurse wants you to do or what the OB wants you to do or what the midwife wants you to do. And then yes. the same when you are selecting your care provider for a home birth. If you plan to give birth with a midwife at home, you know, making sure that that they recognize that you're taking ownership and you know what you need and you know what you want. It's all centered around ownership. And the best way to take ownership is through education, which is clearly what what you did, especially with the sixth birth. Yes, definitely. Oh, wow. Cameron, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. And as we wrap up, one thing I wanted to do was have you tell the listeners where they can find you because you have your own line of different crystals. You do a lot of work with Shungite, which I'm sure some of the listeners aren't going to know what that is, but I really love it. Um, (laughs) You've got a lot of great stuff going on. Could you um, direct them to where they can find you online? Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. And my website is carpediumnursing.org. There's a ton of information on there. There's a little community. You can come and join us. You can ask questions. Um, We have a shop. Um, I am, you know, a stay at home mom of six kids. So bear with me because I make everything from scratch. So it does take me a little bit of time, you know, to source uh, materials or 
you know, I homeschool. So working with all that, but I work with energy. And so for 10 years in the hospital, taking care of people and giving them chemicals and lowering what I feel was lowering their energy. Now I'm building up their energy because we are a frequency. We are a vibration and all these electromagnetic things around us are harming us, our cell phones, you know, our Wi-Fi, all of that. So um, I work with orgone, which, you know, just a quick little thing. It's like resin and crystals and metals, you know, in a mold. Sometimes it's like a pyramid or a cube shape or a flower shape. You know, it doesn't matter what shape. Like they have a frequency and the crystals and the, the, all the metals and things combined actually. And like the shungite, which is a rock from Russia, like you said, I test them and like say I'll test it with my light and it's beeping bad, bad uh, electromagnetic frequency. And then I'll put the crystal or the shungi or the orgone under there and it blocks, it shields is the right word. It shields mm. this harmful energy and the EMF detector will start beeping good. It shows That's you that cool. it's, yeah, it's changing it. And they don't, you know, there's people out there that don't want us to know all these metaphysical benefits of you know, healing. They right. think, oh, this is Western medicine. This is the only way. And you have to take this antibiotic and you have to do this. And it, it's not the only way. People have taken my shungite stones or my orgone and held them up to their hurting body parts and felt cosmic. Like one person said she felt a sonic boom inside oh. her body. I will say I love shungite and I have, um, I have a shungite necklace that I wear a lot. And my dad is like, mega obsessed with shungite and he his water he always puts his water in a vase that has a bunch of shungite rocks at the bottom and then also they have a vase where they put like it's like hanging on their wall there's a little flower vase and they have just one little piece of shungite at the bottom of it so when they put the flowers in the vase it has extended the lives of like the life of the flowers so much so they now have like shungite in all of their um plant vases and pots it's so cool yeah so when I saw that you were really you were working with shungite and orgon I thought that was so cool so on top of everything else you've got this going on but anyway that's a tangent so back to so carpediemnursing.org is your website yes ma'am is there anywhere else Facebook you have a Facebook community yeah my uh I have a group called Carpe Diem Nursing. It's open. You can just, well, it's close. It's a closed group, but if you search it, it's not secret. You'll be able right. to find it and join. Um, I have a Facebook page, Carpe Diem Nursing, and then I have two Facebooks because I'm maxed out on one. It's KJ Moore. You can add me on either, you know, one if you can get in and, you know, message me. I love to be messaged. I love to communicate. Uh, I have to keep my comments locked down if we don't have mutual friends because trolls Mm. love me. So (laughs) that's why, you know, it's kind of locked down. But if you can get on one of my pages, they're linked. So that way you can comment on my stuff. And I would love to interact with you. I would love to help you, you know, because there's so much that we are learning from each other. I'll be honest. If I didn't have Facebook, And I didn't have because you can't even trust Google anymore. Like you guys, Facebook has taught me so much. And Instagram, I I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of the people who have already done it. Oh, yeah, I agree. And Instagram as well. Can you share your handle there? Yes, it's the woke RN. 
the woke are imperfect. Well, we're going to put all of this in the show notes. Um, KJ, thank you so much for coming on. It has been such a pleasure talking to you all about this. And I just wish you the best in the future. I'm so excited. I can't wait, uh, you know, to talk with you further and just thank you for having me. And I just look forward to all the feedback. And so just let me know if you need anything else. And, you know, anyone from the show, just reach out to me. Thank you. Okay. Anybody feeling inspired yet? I love Cameron's energy and hearing how she's really transformed over the last 14 years. I mean, haven't we all? Now, if you guys didn't realize, I'm a little into frequencies and the like. Uh, so if you didn't know that, now you know. <laughs> and I'm actually very uncomfortably sensitive to EMFs. So things like Shungite and Orgone that Cameron mentioned that might seem like a little wacky and out there. Oh my gosh, guys. Even, even just Himalayan salt lamps have really, really helped me and done wonders for my life. Um, so don't knock it till you try it. And you best believe I am now brainstorming more episodes where we can delve even deeper into these topics and especially how those things affect our pregnancies. I think that would be an amazing topic to discuss further. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode roundup. And here's the biggie I took away from this episode. Honestly, it can all be boiled down into one amazing word. Any guesses? Ownership. Own your birth. I don't care where or how you're giving birth. This is your birth. You decide what happens and how it happens. I loved hearing how Cameron gained this understanding of ownership throughout her birthing experience and even ended up having an and owning her unassisted home birth. Ownership doesn't mean that everything goes right though. I want to be clear about that. I mean, we're humans living in a broken world. Things don't always go perfectly, whether you're in the hospital or at home or any variation in between. So ownership is understanding that and still doing all that you can to educate and prepare yourself for whatever birthing setting you choose. And the last point I want to make, which is somewhat of a bonus point, is Cameron's discussion of fear clearing. We've got to clear our fears through education, uh, is I think the best way, to allow space for all of the good emotions. If you're excited to dive into this more, be sure you've downloaded my free mini course, the Happy Home Birth Essentials mini course. You can find the link in the show notes or just go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash essentials to gain access. Okay, my happy home birthers, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, and I can't wait to see you back here next week.